and begin. The best conversations happen at happy hour. Welcome to ours. Welcome aboard. This is the PT Pinecast. Here's your host, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. All right. Welcome to PT Pinecast. Coming to you to live from the gorgeous campus of Ithaca College. You knew I had to have the cliche in there real, real soon. Home to the future PT leaders who balance academics like they're walking the slack lines in the commons here. Here, where intellect has been flowing like the waterfalls around us for 75 years. We're set for an episode that's a perfect blend of sharp minds and sparkling wit, just like the Finger Lakes Riesling. So whether you've got a pint in hand or a textbook, I think that guy brought his books, uh, ready to prepare for a show that's all about the art of physical therapy taught right here in Ithaca, New York. Cheers to Ithaca College. Not usually holding a beer while I do this. I might be, I might be not. It's a podcast you can't see. Where therapy moves beyond the clinic and into the heart of innovation and fun. Let's kick things off with our first guest. Put your hands together, ladies and gentlemen. Gather round as we delve into the intricate dance of the neurons. Are you prepared for the dance of the neurons? We're about to navigate the complex and captivating world of neurology with a guide who embodies the fusion of academia and clinical expertise. She is transforming the landscape of physical therapy one neuron at a time. Get ready to be electrified by the insights and experiences of Angela DeFrancisco. Put those headphones on. Like your walk-up music? It's really head bobbing. Hang on a second. Hang on. There we go. Good. All right. There we go. Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Um, are you nervous? Yes. Okay, good. Now we got that out of the way. All right. Uh, Angela, I love helping people communicate. I sort of talked about that before the podcast uh, starts, and I wanted to sort of give context. So I love helping people communicate. So do you. But you love other things. So the, the thing that I start with a lot, whether that's an APTA section or academy, an organization, a practice, or a person, is the difference between features and benefits. And I think people get locked up on those a lot. So here's a real quick lesson. I have a Jeep, right? It's a red Jeep, right? Four door. Who has a Jeep? Where are the Jeepers out there, right? Ducks. I don't know where that came from, but I like it in ducks. I've got a red Jeep Wrangler. It's red, four doors, hard top. Those are three features about my Jeep. Three features. PT loves to talk about features. Here are the benefits of my Jeep, right? Red. I roll into town, nobody, nobody can keep their eyes off the Jeep. Instant impact, right? Four doors, enough room for all my friends. No one gets left out, right? Hard top. I go from covered to wind in my hair in 90 seconds flat. Features, facts, benefits, emotions. That's it. So the next time you're thinking about how do I write this post? How do I communicate? You telling a patient about features, mm -hmm, that's very nice to know. Emotions need to know, and they'll remember that. So I want to start off there. So features are facts, and benefits are emotions. When in doubt, remember that nobody really gets excited about hanging out with their friends with features. That never happens. No one's pumped about that. Now, let's take that into neuro-residency. Now, because Angela's looking at me like, I have no idea where this guy is going. <laughs> I zig, then I zag. We're zagging now. All right. Let's take that into neuro-residency. I want to talk about the benefits of neuro-residency. Because again, I think people who communicate neuro-residency 
get hung up on the features. I want to talk about benefits. Why do you think it's important to go through a neural residency? Let's hammer on those benefits. Where do you start? The mentorship, for sure. I think you get to the end of a residency, no matter what discipline it is, neuro, ortho, geriatrics, whatever it is, um, and you get your NCS or specialty certification. I feel like that's more of a feature. feature. Exactly. It's the mentorship in the residency itself that's the benefit of it, and it's the volume of patients you see within that discipline. Hold on a second, though. But mentorship is a hard top. Give me wind in your hair. What do you get out of it? Like now, now tell it. It's where you can think. Like where's the story? Where's the emotion in that? Without here's a quick way to figure out feature versus benefit. Right. Without mentorship, I would feel you would have felt. Uh, lost. Good. Negative emotion. With mentorship, I would, I feel prepared. Prepared. Good. <laughs> Feature. Benefit. Good. So why that? Why can't someone take the NCS without a residency or what else? What other benefits does someone get out of that? get someone to watch you and give you constant feedback. It's kind of like you have a practical every single day, but... Whoa, everybody in the room it, just got <laughs> like PTSD. But it helps. Including it really me. does help. It really yeah, does help. Right. So it's that like just getting feedback on everything that you're doing, every thought process that you have, every patient that you work with. It's someone to bounce those ideas off of without having to steal your coworker's time during the lunch hour. Right. It's someone like dedicated to doing that. How I might say this is you get your own Yoda. Yes. During your residency. Do I need to change that analogy now that I have people who were born in like 18 years? Do you, there's a movie. There's a whole series. It's called Star Wars. I'll come back to it. No, there's I a had, baby Yoda. Never mind. I had seven Yodas. You had seven? Wait, yes. wait. So you had seven mentors? Yes. So that's different. Okay. So, all right. What's the benefit of seven versus one? Because that's, that's a feature, right? Mm -hmm. So give me the benefit of seven versus one. You get more perspectives. You get still features. Okay, good. Everyone's perspectives. different perspectives on a patient, rather than just carbon copy of one. So where uh, where was your residency? In Rochester, Rochester Regional Health. It's actually pronounced Rochester. <laughs> Which Sarah Fischel used to be residency director of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. What are the um, What are the common questions that you get since we got a room full of students and they're always asking smart questions or some dumb ones? Um, what, what do they ask about residency? Is like what What comes up most often? Is it Are they feature questions like how long, how much, how many hours, or is it benefit questions? I think it's benefit questions. They ask what I got out of it. Smart. Mm -hmm. Smart. What are the? Give me like one or two. What I got out of residency? Yeah, 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 yeah. Better clinical practice and a broader perspective. That's a benefit. Yes. Okay, perfect. I threw out the Ithaca is gorgeous cliche super early. So I've got a bet going with a uh, coworker in the back of the room. How, the over under is 11 on how many I can get through. So I'm, I, I took the over. All right. So now that we're friends without features, right? Good. Um, let's change the focus to specialization. Now we talked, oh, we we're talking before the episode started about how cool it was that you can get your license in physical therapy and one day you're in geriatrics and then next week you're like, you know what? I'm going to spice it up. I'm going to go work with older adults. And you can change. Why is it valuable to specialize and even think about doing something like a residency? I think just getting that extra, that extra practice and education in that specialty because otherwise you leave PT school such a broad range of Treatments you're, of diagnoses. You're a stem cell, is what you're saying. Essentially, yeah. yeah but you get to have really specialized practice with groups that need more than that broad education. 
they need really specialized care and understanding of diagnoses. If you could transform any of your, I don't know, neuro techniques into a game that everybody in the world played, what technique would it be and what would the game look like? Like, what do you, like, what do you, like, walk, like, walk me through that. Twister. Okay, <laughs> good. Let's go with that. I didn't know yeah. where we were going to go with this question, <laughs> but I like where your, where your head's at. Why? Um, the dual task of Twister, the physical part of Twister, but um, I think also just it's it's such a physical job. Um, there's it's cognitively challenging, it's physically challenging, it's emotionally challenging, which I don't think Twister's all of those things, but it's that the way kind I played it is though. <laughs> it depends how competitive you are, but um, I think you just get all those different it, all these different pieces to it. It's you're not just um, thinking about the physicality of a person, like in a lot of other disciplines you might. Um, there's more of those cognitive components. There's more of those lifestyle psychosocial components more consistently in that population. When you, but, but here, their students are not necessarily, they might be thinking about specialization, but they're not specialized yet, right? So how do you hammer, own, hammer home, I, know, I understand you're in my neuro class right now, and you're going to be an ortho PT, right? But that person you're working in orthopedics, they will, in fact, have a brain and a nervous system. Like, I feel like, how do you make sure a student who's not going into neuro understands that? Like, why, why do I need to know this? I'm going to go work with athletes. Why do I need to know this? I'm going to go, go do this. Like, well, they're all going to have brains and nervous systems, so I don't know. That seems like a good reason, number one. Yeah, I think exactly that reason. There is a lot of overlap. A lot of times it might be orthopedic injuries superimposed on a neurodiagnosis, so you might see individuals like that. Um, it might be past medical histories related to neuro. Yeah. Every single ortho patient, every single geriatric oncology patient is going to have psychosocial factors, is going to have um, all sorts of challenges that they faced along the way or chronic conditions. So you approach yeah. that with the same mindfulness that you would in that neuro population. Yeah. Uh, I haven't talked about this in the podcast at all. Four months ago, my dad had a stroke. So like heavy. Like now I'm like, awesome though. I have a $150,000 PT degree. This is going to be great. Came home, no physical issues. It's all speech issues. Awesome. I studied for a test and we're not taking that test. We're taking a different test. But now my dad, who has a stroke with no uh, motor issues, no stroke motor issues, um, his knee hurts. So now I'm saying, oh, oh, good. Knee hurts. This is fantastic. We're going to work on your knee. So impressed upon me several things that you said was uh, I've had classmates and myself be over, overly intimidated by working with people in oncology PT. And then the statistic was, I think, 80% of outpatient PTs are going to eventually work with, or 80% of your patients, oh, uh, sorry, I forget the statistic. Delete that. There are people you will work with an outpatient PT who you're working, the reason they're there is my knee hurts, but they have a history of cancer or they have a history of a neurologic disorder. And you as a PT sort of just need to know that. And that can make people nervous. But yeah. you learned it here, which is why you should save your notes on Google Drive so you can Google things very, very quickly. All right, so we have students in the room. And I like to pay attention on things like Twitter or, uh, or Reddit. And the topic probably that comes up the most in the last year and a half to two years is burnout, right? I don't know if it's just being talked about more or if we're so connected that we're hearing about it so much more. But if you're navigating the turbulent waters of PT burnout, what strategies or approaches do you try to share with or arm? I like arm, like arm the students with 
so they can take out into the world so they can use and implement when they go to work and get to do this great thing so they're less affected or um, not affected by this thing that's looming, PT burnout. That's a really tough one. Um, that's why I waited for it to be third. Perfect. I was going to warm you up you first. Um, boundaries, I would say, are huge. Just knowing that where it's really easy, especially in, in the PTs, I think, have this type A, really compassionate personality. So it's really easy to fill your plate. It's really easy to get connected to patients and bring that home with you. Um, so recognizing your own boundaries and recognizing your salaried hours and trying to work within those salaried hours. A lot of times we always want to go above and beyond for patients, and oftentimes we will. But do that within your own boundaries. Um, I think it's also, especially in these more chronic condition populations where you're seeing the pain and the trauma that these patients have gone through, you bring that home with you quite often. Um, so I think just recognizing the fact that flipping that perspective and knowing that you're doing something to help them is a nice way to help stop bringing that weight home with you. I think also doing things outside of just clinical care that fill your cup for me, it was um, do, getting involved with research at my last job or mentoring or new hires or getting involved in residency, something that kind of changes your day-to-day -day routine so that you refresh a little bit and it's not always the same thing over and over. Um, so I think just recognizing what niches in whatever setting you're in that you have an interest in, getting involved with those, and then when you get home as best you can, leaving yeah. all of those thoughts at work. I think just you saying that that can and does happen in terms of this you take some of this home i you know i i started off uh out of pt school working like cash base was working with like ironman triathletes and navy seals a lot of testosterone in that room and i was like i don't i am not fulfilled by this at all and i jumped ship and i went to pete's and i was like all about like zip lines and like toys and a lot of vomit a lot more vomit there than at the uh, ortho clinic um but i was warned like you like be prepared when people cry and it was never the kids. Kids could care less. They were, What's up, man? Are you can was gonna be fun or not? It was the parent. Like you, you have to understand like who this was. And I think my my mentor in pediatrics like really prepped me. She was like, I need you to under. I need you to be okay with people crying at you. And I was like, That's not gonna happen. I'm. I'm. Let's just have a good time. And she's like, This is gonna happen. Like four days in, like I'm like, Where are the Kleenexes? People crying. I don't know what to do. There's where's the. I don't know where the pad is. And but but her sort of preparing. Even though I didn't really believe her, I was like, Yeah, yeah I'll be fine. It was uh, it was jarring. A lot. You have you hear people's problems all day long, and I think there gets to a point where you have to recognize what you can and cannot help with. Because a lot of times you take on their stories and you want to do everything you can to help, but there's only so much that you can do to help. And recognizing where that line ends is really important. So you hear a lot of stories, and you're going to absorb a lot of stuff, and you're going to have some solutions. And being able to communicate them effectively and clearly is probably a skill set you want to adopt. Absolutely. Right. I had that skill set as a bartender, but you're probably not supposed to prescribe uh, alcohol to uh, your patients. It's probably not a thing you do. We do that at happy hours, but definitely not in clinical practice. Not a thing. Um, all right. We're going to do a, the, uh, a feature on the show. It's called the parting shot. Are you prepared for your, uh, your parting shot? I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> Just say yes. Yes. This is the parting shot. All right, parting shot. What's your mic drop moment? What's your soapbox statement? You got one. All people in academia, you have this thing where like, if I was going to explain one, if there's one thing you learned from my class, it's this. What's your, what's your, what's your parting shot? Find out what you like early on, right? Like get involved with everything in school and... Figure out what you like, because you're going to want to go that route. You're going to want to really like what you're doing 
before you jump into a career of it. So take this time to try everything and find out what that is. This is your this is your sandbox. Like play around because yes. you can. This is where you can mess up and fall and like okay, I'll just brush myself off and do that. Yeah. So you're giving them license to do whatever. Yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's hear for our first guest. This is the PT Pinecast. All right, with wisdom as rich as the finest Cayuga wine and insights as clear as the glistening waters of the Finger Lakes. She's the professor who shapes minds and molds the future with a sparkle in her eye and a truth in her voice. Buckle up as we embark on a journey through the cheers and fears of PT and the elusive quest for the perfect life balance. She's a trailblazer, a mentor, and your next favorite professor. Let's give a warm, frothy podcast welcome to the one and only Barb Blaya. Barb, welcome to the show. Do that again. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jimmy. Now they can hear you. Perfect. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. So we, we were joking before the show. People often mess up your name. It is Barb. Bellier. Bell. Yeah. Bell what? Bell yeah. Yeah. Got it. Perfect. That, that's little John always comes through. You and I both share a love of Adam Grant. Yes. I think he makes, I think he makes people think. And that might seem trite. But he doesn't just tell you something, he tells you something, and it makes you say, ooh, uh, that makes me think, or I've never thought about it quite like that, which I think is remarkable. Why do you like Adam Grant? I think for that, I think he makes you rethink. I think he takes simple things and makes them, um, you know, he makes you stop and contemplate why that is instead of just breezing through that. Yeah, he's written some really good books. Um, a lot of writers will plant a flag in something, uh, like Simon Sinek will say, it start with why, everything's about why. And I think uh, uh, an author has real authenticity and real agility if they write a book, make a lot of money on it, do a book and speaking tour, and then they write their next book, and they actually talk about all the things that their first book did wrong. And Adam Grant did that. And I think that's another cool thing that P.T., does or science does because science doesn't actually know anything science is a process doesn't know anything but i think that's that's cool is when you can have a belief and then change who th- who would have thought change your belief in new in new evidence what you've been in pt for a hot minute 42 hot minutes 42 hot minutes all right what's what's a belief or two that you have changed or that has changed in the profession that was a hundred this is the way right mandalorian this is the way that's changed yeah so when I first started, um, the entry-level degree was a bachelor's degree. Okay. And you'd be done already. Yeah. You'd be almost done. <laughs> and, um, and we were, you know, technicians. We, we followed doctor's orders. And so, um, you know, I think one of the things that's changed across the, the journey of my career has been the autonomy that physical therapy has gotten in the profession and the ability to... Um, meet patients, more attention to their their functional needs, their goals, rather than what the referring physician is telling you to do. So going very proactive instead of reactive from where it's changed. Uh, 35 incredible years here at yeah. Ithaca College. That's got to deserve a little yeah, <laughs> hand on hand. What has kept you passionate about teaching and you know the young minds and all that? 
the young minds. There you go. Good. Uh, Smart. These, these guys bring it all the time in the classroom, and I just feed off of that. And yeah. that has made my career here for sure. All right. And my colleagues. I've been really fortunate to work with some amazing colleagues that have mentored me and pushed me. And, um, and I've had the chance to do that for students. Um, I've taught a lot of the people you're going to, I've taught all the people you're going to talk to. That's got to be cool. And, uh, and I think one of the joys of that is seeing your students go out and outperform you. You know, go out and do clinical work and research and mentor and advocate for our profession beyond what I could have hoped to do. And that's, that's what it's all about for me. That's a cool, like, way to view life because I feel like, I don't know, like, pessimistically, a lot of people can be egotistical, which is like, the story's about me. I'm the main character of this story. And what I heard you just say is like, you are super excited that you got to be the Yoda in so many different stories. Yeah, Yoda, you guys should watch a movie about so There's that. a movie, he's green, <laughs> he speaks weird, but you get used to it after the first act. Yeah, I, I don't know. That just has always been my approach. I came in as a clinician, not as an educator, and I learned to be an educator. But my focus was always on the patient, but the patient became the students. Okay, okay. So, all right, so now I want to go to formulas, right? Since, okay. since it was a certain way we were technicians and now we're very much, much autonomous, the ingredients to that to make a great PT, and we're not saying perfect, we're just saying great, right? In terms of reflecting on the evolution of physical therapy, what do you believe are some of the key ingredients that people going out in the profession need to have or should, or sh we should identify or look for in? So some of the changes have certainly been um, changes in the entry-level degree. We moved from a bachelor's to a master's to the DPT. There's been a tremendous uh, rise in evidence-based practice, which wasn't even talked about when I was in school. And not only now do we have evidence-based practice, but we have our own people contributing to that. Yeah, how knowledge. cool is that? Yeah. Um, you know, the pendulum swings with interventions that are hot. Um, you know, it was modalities, it was isokinetics, it was um, functional training. It was, and it's, it's been fun to see that. Um, and sometimes it swings back and, you know, so it's... So, so how fun is it? Because I, now I get to sound like I've been around. I've been around for like six hot minutes, <laughs> not 42 hot minutes. But it's fun to watch like a thing come in. I remember like being excited like to tell my professor in PT school about this new thing. And she sat and mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. She was feigning like interest. Like, that's great. Only come to realize that thing had been a thing like 30 years ago. Right. It'd be like me explaining to you what bell bottoms are. Like, there's yeah. these new pants and they're flared at the bottom. This is insane. It's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I know what those look like. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Like an example is talking about um, therapeutic alliance. Yeah. Okay, we've done that for 42 years. But that, wait, we was didn't it call it Right, that. I was going to say, it was a new yeah. name. Yeah, we didn't put that label on it. We didn't give lectures about it, but we learned how to... <laughs> create relationships with our patients. Do you know who did that? Probably a marketing guy. I was like, we need to sell a course. What do you got? I got uh, relationship building. Therapeutic Alliance, put it on Google. One. Right. There was a pet rock. What do we got? It's a Tamagotchi. Great. It's a little digital thing. Keep it alive. Fantastic. Um, we, you, you heard me talk a minute ago about life balance. It's, yeah. it's a hot topic, so I wanted, I wanted to bring yeah. that up with you, right? Um, what are your, what's your go-to advice for people wrestling with this balance and the demands of career and personal life? Because it, or is it the two lives or is it just life and it's a, I don't know how to ask this question. Yeah, well, I think it's life, but I think it's finding that balance in life. You know, I've, I've taught long enough that I've seen three generations of students. I started teaching Gen Xers and then I taught millennials 
and now I'm teaching Gen Zs. And I think each generation has brought different characteristics to the classroom and to where they go. What's important to them. Right, right. You know, Gen X is, tell me what I need to know, then leave me alone, I'll learn it, and I'll let you know. And millennials were, you know, tell me what I need to know, and, um, you know, give me feedback all the time so that I'm sure I'm doing it right. They wanted a trophy. They, yeah, Got yeah. It. Everybody gets a trophy, and then and I love all of you. But now Gen Zs, <laughs> tell me what I need to know and hold my hand while I'm doing it. All right. And so I think this generation now is experiencing that burnout and that concern about balance because there's no hand. There's well, and and they're more compassionate. They're more concerned about themselves and their colleagues, and that just comes with it. So these problems are problems because of a good thing. I think so. But I think the advice, your question was what advice do I give? I think it's important to be realistic about what you can accomplish in your everyday and in your career. And I think these lovely students come to us thinking they're going to set the world on fire. And after two months when they haven't done that, they feel like they've failed and they're burning out. And so I think my message is be realistic about what you can and cannot offer to patients. Um, And and find that balance, as, as Angela said, of you know, knowing your boundaries, and now it's my time. Right, milestones, perspective setting, and you can set the world on fire, but right. it's going to be a burn of how long. Right. And you should, that, if you burn out before the burn happens, no, nobody wins. Right, yeah. Uh, you say people should spend time looking at things online. You're like an advocate for like online, you said like prehab, you know, prehab yeah, guys we've had I on the did. show, yeah, but yeah. you said they should be wary. I just think they Why should be that? wary because there's way too much out there. There's too okay. much information and I think you need to know the source of where that information is coming, whether it's PT related, whether it's current events, you know, whatever you're looking. Today we have access to information 24-7. That's exhausting. It's a lot. And you just have to be careful about who you're getting that information from and what you do with it. I put it in perspective. Uh, it's called a social media feed. You know, it used to be you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with, mm-hmm. right? Is that Mitch Album? Or like Mitch yeah, Album is the five people been. you meet in heaven, right? right. And uh, now it's now I think probably digitally, it's you're probably the sum of the five things you consume the most. So it's, again, it's called a social media feed. We don't have dietary intake. You are what you eat. Right. You're sort of saying you are what you consume. Just be careful, right. right? You and I were talking in the hall before. It's like I, you know, did you? I don't know if you guys know this. Today's November 9th. Today, the loudest day online in human history. I mean, by loudest, the most things have been shared, tweeted, posted. The previous loudest day was yesterday, and tomorrow's going to be even louder. So I bring this up by saying, be. You're saying be wary because. As great as good information is, volume can sometimes, quantity can beat quality, um, but you're going to try to get a message out, right? The, the phrase in communication is signal versus noise, right? Back when we used to listen to the radio, radio was like internet, but it was just in the air. Just keep coming. I'm, I'm sorry. I'll, yeah. When you're all, in three years, I'll buy you a beer to apologize. Um, but you used to listen to the radio and it was like, shh. You try to like listen to the signal in the noise, and I, I try to I paint that perspective, which is like this is great, but be a really critical consumer right. of things. That's what you're saying. Yes. You're saying this is great, but for every great thing, you should be a little bit critical. Right. Um, are uh, is there anything you haven't said in front of a group of students that you've always wanted? I mean, this is sort of it. 
What are they? You're a whole. You're, you know, we may or may not be drinking right now in a classroom. We may or may not be. You cannot prove um, it. No, I I have such great opportunities to talk with these students, Jimmy. I don't know that there's anything I haven't been able to say to them. Apparently, they're cleaning the ice they in the background. Be. There's a zamboni out there. <laughs> I didn't realize the second period had started. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> Thank you, but I appreciate that. So make sure it's dry. That would be a tripping hazard. Still a PT, I promise. Um, are you ready for... Uh, we're going to do three questions. You ready oh, for three questions? Ready. Or do you, wait, I'll give you a choice. Okay. Do you want three questions or your parting shot? Or both. You're in charge here. I, um, three questions well, is like I'm rapid fire. I'm going to retire soon, so I think I, I feel like I need my parting shot. Who wants parting shot? Okay. Parting shot. This is the parting shot. All right, parting shot. Mic drop moment, soapbox statement. Okay. Barb, what do you got? I am ready. So students know if there are current seniors here that we end each lecture, or we start each lecture with a Ted Lasso quote. I love Ted Lasso. Okay. So much information. And How do you not? Light le life lessons. But I'm going to go a different direction with my parting shot. I also love the, and I'm going to paraphrase, the Duke women's basketball coaches lecture last year that went viral okay. about life and life not getting any easier and don't stand around and wait for life to get easier. Life is hard. PT is hard. Working in a clinic all the time is hard. But what we give you as faculty is opportunities to get better at the hard. And I think that's my message is don't wait for life to get easy, but practice getting the things that are hard and make them easier. Yeah, don't wish this was easier. Wish you were better. And yeah. even better, get better. Right. But you do. When you're doing that, that happens. Yeah, you're when, you're, looking. When, you're fake. when you're busy doing the things to get right. better and then you right. look up, you're like, this feels easier. It's like, right. oh, spoiler alert. It's right. actually harder. You're just more armed and, and, and you're stronger to do that thing. Absolutely. Well, done parting shouts. Here for Barb. There Love the PT Pinecast? Yes. Yes. Support the show by telling a friend or by leaving a review on iTunes or Google right, Play. Next, next guest sauntering up to the uh, the promenade here, Kaylee Merrill. Kaylee, back on campus as an alumni. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Jimmy. Does it feel weird? Did you like write anything in Sharpie somewhere? And then did you peek in to see if it was still there? I wrote a note on the inside of my yeah. locker in PT school. <laughs> I might have defaced Marymount University No, property. I thought about that on the drive up. I'm like, I wish I had left a little memento somewhere that I could go back and look for, yeah. like in the um, PT clinic, but I did not. No joke. I don't like to deface No things. joke in pathology. <laughs> Sky Donovan, in case she's listening, my professor, she did like a nutrition lecture and she like broke up like Lunchables and she was like, these are not good for you. So we actually, she brought in a Lunchable and we went over dietary uh, uh, intake and we took the meat it's actually meat product technically they can't call and we pinned it to the uh the cork board outside two years later i went back after graduating meat product still there very not cool Ew. i don't know how we got there but i remember i left it behind is anywhere it's <laughs> didn't think we were going the lunchables route uh kaylee what excites you uh, wait, wait, first of all just make sure that when did you graduate when did you when did you so i was part of the first dpt class yeah. 2012 Barb was one of my professors, of course. Um, yeah, it was pretty pretty neat. Um, it's been a wild ride. I've been practicing now for 11 years. Yeah. Do the math. I don't know. Tw whatever 2012 was. Don't ask me to do math. <laughs> I, was, I was a radio DJ and then a physical yeah, therapist. Yeah, Not no, a whole lot of mathematics involved. Time has flown. But what things did you get to do? Like, where'd your career take you in terms of oh. who you got to help? Well, I will start off that 
it, it, being at Ithaca, it gave me great clinical um, opportunities. And the fact that we have so many relationships, Ithaca has so many relationships across the United States, even beyond the United States, I believe there was like a St. Croix option, didn't get that one. But um, it was cool to be able to go anywhere. And I landed in Rhode Island, and that story took off from there. And oh, you I weren't from Rhode Island. I was from New Jersey. Oh. I, am, I am still a Jersey girl. Right. Come on. Jersey, Jersey, thank you, there thank you. you. <laughs> a lot of we Jersey in here, wow. <laughs> Um, but I stayed in Rhode Island, um, finished on my clinical there and took a job and then hopped over to what was performance physical therapy. We're now high bar now. Um, and it has been the best decision of my entire life. And you got to do, and just to show the width and breadth, you've gotten to you, you dance, like was your focus for a yeah, while, right? I minored in dance, um, at, at Ithaca and I believe Amy O'Brien was one of my dance, um, teachers and she's, oh, we miss her. Yeah. Awesome. I was like walking by Dillingham today and I'm like, it was a lot of memories that came past there, but, uh, yeah, I minored in dance and then when I moved to Rhode Island, Newport, um, best part in Rhode Island. Obviously. I uh, actually linked up with the local professional dance company, um, Newport Academy of Ballet is their name now. Or sorry, that's the school, um, Newport Contemporary Ballet. And I was their company physical therapist. And I really was up until recently and I passed the torch to a colleague because I moved to Mystic. How'd that start? Were they looking for a PT or did you sort of so, like, hey, you know who you should hire? A little bit me. of a mix, but one of the PTs being the only, there was the company I was working for saw the dancers. They were like the only option there. And one of the dancers fell my way because he knew I had a background in dance. And then from that dancer forward, they just trickled in and then they followed me and being able to treat someone that you can relate to. Uh, and then huge, on, the, right? on the patient side of things, them being able to be treated by someone who understands you is huge. And it was a small group of people, but they became my friends and family in Newport. Yeah. Talk to talk, walk the yeah, walk. You yeah. get, you get yes. me. It sounds yes. like a lot like therapeutic alliance <laughs> is my, what you might say, or yeah, just, yeah, Hey, yeah. you understand yep. what advice would you give to someone who said like, Hey, I have this super, I mean, I, dance isn't a super weird niche, right? But it's a niche. Um, you know, nonetheless, what would what advice would you give for someone who's like, I do this thing. I feel like I could relate to people who also do this thing. I want to do this thing, this, because all you do in geometry is there's a straight line between any two points mm -hmm. and you just took PT and dance, which yeah, feels yeah. like a pretty obvious straight line, but there's some non-obvious straight lines. Like, I don't know, radio DJ PT, which feels like it wasn't a thing until my mom decided it was a thing. But yeah. What advice would you give for someone who's like, this is what I'm passionate about. How do I connect these two dots? Well, start with the passion. That's number one. That's going to actually carry you very far. Um, find those opportunities. So if you happen to treat a patient who you can relate to, find their circle. Yeah. Go from there. Um, if you don't have any connections, then you have to put yourself out there and grow, bring a team with you. You don't have to do this by yourself. Like, you, you know, when you land a job, find some place with a great mentor and everyone and someone who can really support you in that endeavor to grow the patient caseload that you want to see. All right. I'll, you said the word, so I'll ask the same question that I asked earlier to Angelo in terms of benefits, not features of mentorship, because they can be different answers for you, but what are the benefits of mentorship for you? You're going to have to guide me on this too a little bit. All right. So feature <laughs> would be, you know, one-on-one -on -one time, but the benefit would be is that person really understands you. Yeah. Um, I would say... It's not... So benefits versus features is simple. It's not easy. Because it's very easy to list facts. You are coming from science, like chemistry, physics, right? Biology. Fact, 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 fact. Benefits is harder because it's, it's emotional. And you don't do a ton of emotional work in the prereqs for PT school. 
Yeah, well, I'm going to speak and dance speak a little bit here. That but feels like, like it know, might have emotion in it. For, for me, treating the dancer who was taken out of their entire performance season and then seeing them able to perform mm-hmm. and knowing that they are grateful for what you did for them. Right. But they really did the work. You were just there guiding them along and giving them some advice. Almost like a Yoda. And putting it's like, no, this was you. You you showed up. Right. I was here for you, but you showed up and right. you did it. And seeing them back on stage and seeing their emotions on stage after they perform, that's what's cool. Yeah, be able to facilitate a return to biomechanical uh, optimization sounds yeah. a lot like features, but being able to make sure you make opening night mm-hmm. yeah. feels a lot like a benefit. Mm-hmm. And I want to do that one. I don't know what the first one means. Remember that. Like, you don't use the jargon, right? I understand you paid for the degree. Mom and dad are super proud. They get to call you doctor. But make sure you communicate in words that the audi- the person you're talking, I, talk, I say audience a lot, but what I mean is the person, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Audience is just a group of people. Uh, what still, ex- but now you get to do something different. So now like, again, you get to show the width and breadth, the width and depth of physical therapies. You get to do something different, but still in PT. Yes, so I've had some PT ADD, I call it. Okay, um, keep going. I started from a staff PT, um, then opened, actually being clinic director, opened up our Middletown, Rhode Island office back in 2014. Sure, we'll go with that day. And then I... Uh, just, just doing the dance thing and then in 2020 a lot of things happened in 2020 we didn't have to talk about it um, but I actually ended up get, did get married and hey. my husband okay. was from Mystic so I ended up oh, one clap there. that's good <laughs> one clap better than none and um, moved down to Mystic and actually shifted out of my clinic director role went into being a staff PT again but then I felt there was a huge void not being a clinic director so naturally instead of just saying I'm going to take a little break I decided to jump on board with developing our, um, our residency program, orthopedic residency program, um, under the guidance of uh, Dr. Bobby Datillo. Excuse me, Bobby. Don't kill me for I'll edit your that name part wrong. Out. I'll edit it out. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was like a group of six or seven of us, and we put the curriculum together, and we got accredited a year later, and it's we're going into our third cohort. So that's really what gets me excited. Still PT stuff, though. Still PT stuff. But different. Different. But still but PT stuff. But then I had a baby. Okay. Came back. Wait, we got to clap for the baby. Oh we clap for the marriage, but <laughs> not the baby? Come on. Now, I have a rule on the show. All right? A lot of times I do interviews, like, you know, uh, via Zoom or whatever, and I have, I have a rule. If a baby or a dog either make their way in the background of the camera or are mentioned, you have to introduce the baby or the dog. Okay. Well, I have both. Then do that. My baby is Caroline. She's right. a year old. Yes. I made Aww. it through a year. <laughs> There's no photo, but off for Caroline. Her, 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 her first birthday party was more about me. Obviously. Her. She's yeah. not going to remember has this. no recollection except the cupcake she destroyed. Of course. Um, and my dog is Tucker. All right. <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> so you get to work on the opposite side of, and this is weird, so the opposite of you is also named Kaylee. Here yes. at, at Ithaca. Where's Kaylee? Where, there she is in the back. Yeah, there's so, Kaylee. So she might be someone that students are working with to find where they're going to go off to Texas and New Jersey and all those things. And you're on the receiving end at Highbar going, hey, we are looking for this, 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 yep. this, this. So now I am the site coordinator of clinical education at Highbar or university relations coordinator. But what are those? Le- D- you're DCE and you're DCE. the what? There's so many CCCE or something? <laughs> Honestly, just quit S-C-C-E, with the acronyms. Yeah. But like I essentially, I oversee our student program. And I say program because it's more than just matching students to clinical or to CIs. It's we actually have a whole student curriculum that runs parallel and provides another resource to students. We go through, um, you hear of the CI training on the, the APTA training. Right, APTA this is clinical. very different. We actually have a, 
high bar student ambassador training that like really fancy it's like to a whole nother level and yes it gets them familiar more with the company but just like what we should be doing as pts starting at the student level and i feel like you create that because as barb pointed out different generations are looking for different Mm -hmm. things and if they don't see them they're not going to want to go there Mm -hmm. so you're going to see this a lot which is like organizations now well you're not actually not going to see this a lot you're going to see some organizations recognizing that and being sort of early adopters too i better create a landing space that has the things that the people that I'm trying to attract make sure they can see themselves here. Mm-hmm. So you're actually, you're seeing it more, but not a ton. So when you see that, it sort of says that someone is paying attention to that organization. Yeah, absolutely. You All know, right. and you know, if you, I'm just going to say, you probably can ask for my advice, but you know, if you are seeking clinical, you are going to be seeking clinicals or you already have is seek somewhere that, you know, gives another level to the student experience and also making sure that they're not just like using you as another number and another team member that yeah. you're going to lose out on that mentorship. And it yeah. can be hard to know that before you go into it, but just. So what's one good for. question to ask to see if that, like, what's, what's like a, like a, if they can't answer it right, it's a red flag or what's a good um, thing to see? Green flag, red I would flag. say, what is your, ment- you know, what is the mentorship structure to your student program? Like how, like what's, you know, meeting structure, whatnot, right. um, things like that. And then make sure they can <laughs> answer that. Like asking the question is good, right? You're always told like on your first job interview, make sure you ask questions. It's like, good. Make sure you listen for the answers mm-hmm. and make sure those answers make sense. Mm-hmm. Like, so asking the question feels like a formality at this point, but yeah. like, I always say like an interview is an interview. It's two ways. It's a conversation. Like you should in fact be looking, like find the red flags, man. I mean, we're, you do that on all the apps, right? With the right swipe and left. You're looking for the red flags. Do that for this. And when you find a green flag, which is probably more rare than the red, we're doing a lot of green and red flags. When you find the green flag, like don't let go. Right, absolutely. Right. Are you ready? To, you get a parting shot. Okay. Are you ready for this one? Here we go. I'm going to push the button. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Here it comes. Okay. Here it is. This is the parting shot. All right, parting shot. Kaylee, what do you got for I have to go here. And you know where I'm going. I don't know where you're going. Patotl. Oh, yeah. All right. (laughs) All right. So we have this funny acronym. um, Patotl means practicing at the top of the license. And it sounds silly, but it is so relatable to every level of wherever you are at as a physical therapist, student, um, a CI, a PT, a teacher, a professor, um, be true to what it means to be a PT. And it's not just treating the patient in front of you, but it's collaborating with their whole healthcare team, advocating for the patient, um, being able to refer them out to other providers, using your team around you to be resources if you don't know the answer and you aren't able to fully help them. Just making sure that you are always thinking about using your license to the most potential that you can. Say it with me. It's fun. Patal. Yeah. All right. Let's hear it for Kaylee. Love the PT Pinecast? Yes. Yes. Support the show by telling a friend or Thank by you. leaving a review on iTunes or Google Play. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for a deep dive into the world of physical therapy education with a man who's got his hands in just about every pod. From molding the minds of students at Ithaca College to sharpening the skills of residents and fellows, he's a walking think tank of PT knowledge. And when he's not elevating the standards of clinics, he's, well, brewing up something delicious to sip on. Without further ado, let's give a warm welcome to the sports certified specialist, the spine whisperer, and the hometown brew hero, Dan Agonese. these things on. You can feel like an offensive coordinator. Let's run the draw. Always run the draw. Let's do give it. Give it to hey, Marshawn. Always give it to Marshawn. Don't pass. Uh, Dan, welcome. 
And cheers. And what are we drinking? You made this. You made the beer. I did. So this is called Ice Skating Flamingo IPA. Walk me through why it's called Ice Skating. Because, I, I, well, first of all, I love when craft beer goes a little weird, because that's what you're supposed to do. Ice Skating Flamingo, why? My daughter named it. Okay, good, good. <laughs> it's all about her. She never gave you a back. You just went with it. You were like, what's it called? Ice Skating Flamingo. Got Done. it. Got yeah. it. Done. Good. No other reason. Uh, so, Dan, your background, there was a lot in there. You get to do a lot. When, when someone says, what do you get to do in PT? Like, I threw in a lot of things in there. Education, uh, sports. How do you sort of describe what you do to people? I'm kind of in a unique experience where I get to see not just patients in the clinic, but I get to see... I just want to point this towards your mouth hole. There we go. You got it. It's a technical term. You guys might have heard it in Mouth hole. There you go. So I get to work with residents. So once they're going through their orthopedic residency, and I get to go and work with fellows. So teaching, mentoring, and kind of working at all levels. So starting to notice a theme, and that's the cool part. Is I we did not when we when we talked to the guests. I don't pick the guests. This university, the school picks the guests. But now you start to see mentoring starts to come up. Right, PT burnout. I feel like they're the if you had like a villain and a hero, it's like mentorship is like the hero and you know the cape, and the villain is like the mask. It's like that's burnout. So I'm going to ask you, too, like when you see this thing lurking, which is a good emotion word, lurking, PT burnout, here it is, in Radio Boys, what are some things you might arm students with to sort of prevent or thwart that, which is a great thesaurus word? I think the best way to thwart that yeah. is also just doing different things. Ooh, so okay. finding things that you like, finding things that excite you, maybe coming at a different problem from a different angle as well. So doing this, I'm teaching two and a half days a week here. I'm seeing patients in clinic two and a half days a week. I'm mentoring half a day a week. So just coming in from different angles, different perspectives, just keeping things fresh. It would be, hard, it would be harder to get burned out if you keep changing the thing that you're doing. Exactly. And two and a half plus two and a half plus a half. Equals a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. She's like, I don't know. I'm a PT student. I have no idea what you're talking about. More fingers than on hand. All right. So... Let, let me ask you this, a navigation question. How do you navigate the differences in mentoring a grad student versus a resident or fellow? And like, it, it, are there similarities and differences? There are similarities and differences. I think it comes down to looking at learning style. So if I'm working with kind of a grad student, we're more thinking on like a vertical reasoning level. So whoa, whoa, whoa. go ahead. Okay, slow down uh, for okay, me. Okay. I'm just the podcast host. Vertical reasoning level. Vertical. So if we use like a patient examination, we go from active range of motion to passive range of motion, resisted testing, uh, manual muscle testing. Or you could think about this like if you are hanging out, buddy gets in the car and is like, hey, I really need a chimichanga. Okay. You're so, now you're talking about language. Keep going. Okay. Got you there. So let's go to Old Mexico. So you get in the car. You're like, okay, let's go. You look it up. You're like, I like Old Mexico. I heard of it. But you look it up. Look on your phone. Oh, Google Maps. Oh, my phone's about to die. Crap. So let me go and memorize these instructions. So leave campus, make a right, go down mile and a half, make a left onto Clinton, blah, 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 get down to Old Mexico. So with that, that's kind of a lot. It's a lot. Paying attention to, okay, where do I have to go? Looking at the signs. Wait, that kind of looks like Clinton. Nope, it's not. And eventually you end up getting there. But it's, it's exhausting. There's a lot that you have to go and pay attention to. Sure. Where when then you work with the kind of highest level, when you work with the expert thinker here, they tend to do this in more of an inductive reasoning. So using that same example of uh, going to get a chimichanga, Keep talking. buddy gets in the car and he's like, okay, yeah, let's go to old Mexico. So you're like, okay, yeah, well, I'm the burrito master. Like I never miss like a student Thursday special or anything like that. So jumps in the car, goes to make that right, and then looks at the watch. It's like, hey, yeah, 
you know, it's like 640. I bet you there's going to be a lot of traffic on Clinton. So let's go and make a left. If we're hanging right at the pizza place, we can hang, go down there and make our way down a little bit faster. So with that, it's learning that there's not just one solution to the problem. Instead of going through that very kind of rigid, linear thinking of going A, B, C, D, right, 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 it's like, right. I know another way to do this. I can come at this from another angle, get there faster. So I think that starting to go and work with people in the graduate program here is starting to just go and kind of build that base knowledge, build that gap, uh, build that uh, pool of knowledge. So this way you can eventually draw from it. And eventually with that, go to like pattern recognition and kind of speed of reasoning with that to get from that original kind of linear thinking to that more kind of inductive reasoning. See one, do one, teach one, right? But it, in terms of vertically, right? Because yeah. we're vertically doing it. It's getting more difficult as we go along. But actually you're getting better as you go along. So it's not getting easier. You're just in fact getting better. See how themes arrive? Yeah, I pay attention. It's not just the drinking. I swear. <laughs> I learn things. Um, how long have you been doing? How long? How long have you been doing? Uh, uh, you know, formal teaching or formal instruction. Uh, this is my first year here at Ithaca College. You're already using words like vertical and chimichanga in the same like analogy. <laughs> I, I tried to work that in. I'll there. be honest. It's hard to work chimichanga into a sentence. So, but it's just really fun to say. We are going to Ithaca Ale House after this right now. High bar's going to pick up the tab. But uh, I'll be honest. If we could pivot to wherever the heck you're talking about this chimichanga, I'm in. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Margaritas <laughs> are good too. So. All right, break down uh, the criteria-based progression in return to sports scenarios. So I'm a big fan of kind of working, not just saying, okay, you're ready to go back to sport when someone thinks they're ready to go back to sport. Like so, Aaron Rodgers. Keep going. Exactly. Got yeah. it. He's totally ready. He's totally ready. You know, Jets are just fine without him, yes. too. The Jets aren't going anywhere anyway. I don't know why Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is risking it. It's, is there any Long Islanders here? Right here. I'm sorry. I wish. Luckily, I, I'm not Jets fan. It though. broke my heart, though. <laughs> All right, keep going. I've ruined the question. Keep going. Okay, I think the question was something. Okay, something about why is Aaron Rodgers ruining everything? Okay, so I really like using criteria when it comes to return to sport or return to kind of anything type progression. Sure. So this way, one, you have a concrete goal to go and give a patient, and it's something that's going to be objective and measurable for you. So you're not just like, yeah, I think they're ready to go back, but it's I'm ready, or I can confidently say you could go back with the smallest risk of re-injury possible. Right. So this is something that's been picking up a little bit more stream going with like the ACL, uh, sorry, the Melbourne ACL protocol and kind of coming up with like your hop testing, your rep max, your uh, isokinetic testing. This way you have something to actually say, okay, yeah, you are ready to go back. How do you convince someone not to do that too soon? Because I saw this guy on TV do that. That is a very, very good question. Yeah, and I don't that have is the answer. That is That's why I'm asking really, you. really difficult. And I think that a lot of that comes down to, I guess, uh, the rapport that you built with the patient prior to this. It's like therapeutic alliance, Barb. Just fancy Just talk. I got it. Keep going. It in again. Throw yeah. it in. I'm telling you, themes emerge. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it all comes down to patient rapport and then you really explaining the why of why you're doing this. So, yeah. sometimes not just saying for injury risk, but also talking about performance. I think especially if you're working with athletes, you mentioned the word performance and ears perk up. Hey, I'm more interested in this. I don't want to go back and suck. I want to go back and actually perform. Right, right. And speaking in their terms, probably listening more than you're talking. I mean, that was the one thing I picked up is like all the PTs that I sort of gravitated. Maybe not my CI, and I'm knocking, knocking any of my CIs, but the PTs in the clinic, I was like, I feel like that guy over the, in, in the corner of the room, he says like three words an hour, but everybody responds well to him. And it's like, right, they're the right three words at the right time <laughs> is, is, more, is, is more important than how much I know or how much I care. You see themes emerge. 
Um, my final topic I wanted to bring up for you is like talk about like how did you get involved? You, you were involved in both teaching and cle- and and instruction, teaching and education, yes. academics and practice. How do you see the landscape of PT education evolving to meet practice? Like those two worlds have to cross. If they don't, then there's a disconnect. Definitely. I see more of the use or more of a draw towards residency after just normal PT school and PT programming. I think that's a great way to really kind of expand that pool of knowledge. So then hopefully you could draw from that pool of knowledge to kind of make your own pattern recognition and kind of make your own clinical decisions. Get more chimichangas. I got it. I'm with you. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. All right. All right. You ready for you want to do three questions or a parting shot? Let's do a parting shot. Let's do a parting shot. All right, Dan's parting this shot. This is the parting shot. Soapbox statement, mic drop moment. Dan, what do you got? Well, this is the live from Ithaca podcast. Correct. So I have to come back to Ithaca. This is Cortica Jug weekend. This what is... is- now, hang on oh, a second. Oh, yeah, see? See, make we sh- got someone make going sure the or- Make sure the audience that listening on the podcast understands what the Cortica Jug is. Okay, so Cortica Jug is our biggest football game of the year. Right. It's Ithaca College versus Cortland State, and they suck. Right. So... <laughs> So this is kind of a big deal around here. Got it. So my mic drop moment, my thing is, okay, let's go, Bombers. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear for Dan Agadese. Perfect. All right, prepare to be enlightened by our final guest, a PT veteran who's been bending the boundaries of healthcare for over 30 years, a business owner, educator, and a pelvic health pioneer who's turned passion into practice from acute care to her very own clinic she's living proof that with the right posture you can hold up the world let's roll out the red carpet for the therapist who's as dedicated to her patients as she is fascinated by the rectum christine trumbull said rectum and it's appropriate i didn't just say it I used to say it in high school a lot. It didn't make any sense. <laughs> Christine, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jimmy. All right, so we gotta we gotta ask. I, I went for the rectum comment for the laughs, but let's be serious. Mm-hmm. In a in a world full of heartthrobs and brainiacs, you've crowned the rectum as the coolest organ in the body. I would, in the spirit of Adam Grant, like help me understand why the rectum is the coolest organ in the body. Very underrated. Okay, got Very it. Under, underrated. Oh, it's underrated, overrated, rectum, right. underrated. Got and it. it's only like this long, but it can make your life miserable if it's not working. <laughs> okay. And so, and it does all this cool stuff that um, I didn't know when I graduated, for sure. Um, but, you know, it does stuff like it should know whether you have solid or gas in it. Yeah. Because if you don't, you, you got to be careful. Yeah. Like what you're going to do. Don't trust it. So don't, tr- some no. people just can't trust it. Uh-huh. No, I've been there. So Not me, but chimichangas were brought up. <laughs> yes, yeah, chimichangas can, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that can happen. Okay. Chimichangas for sure. <laughs> so what's, what's the backstory to the bottom love here, Christine? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am definitely a little bit of a PT, um, ADD kind of person. Right, cool. I really never really stayed in one focus for more than about five years. Okay. Because I would just be like, um, Good. I'm ready to move on. Good. Got like, it. And we'll move on. Yeah. And so we would do that. So then I got to the point where I did the orthopedic outpatient thing, actually more manual therapist. I'm, I'm traditionally a, a very orthopedic manual therapist, but we uh, started doing some pelvic floor stuff that I didn't 
understand it all because again on the clock right like, not just on weekends or no, okay. well um no no <laughs> um but i mean one of the things was that i went to pelvic floor one because our pelvic floor therapist left the clinic and it seemed important but i really didn't understand what she was doing so i went to pelvic floor one and you sit there and you listen and it's the most surreal experience because I don't know how much I can say on this. You can say all of it. Okay, so you're in a like hotel room. No, actually, that wasn't it. No, right, sorry. Wait a minute. In a hotel room. You're in a PT clinic. You're in a PT clinic on the weekends. There's a happy hour after this. We can get more to the story with microphones are with, with like 40 other women that have never taken pelvic one. You, um, it's a weekend, so you have all the glass that you can see covered in paper because God forbid the janitor somehow come into the PT clinic and see what's happening. So oh. you go and you sit there with these other people that you're going to be extremely acquainted with, but very you don't close. know that yeah. going into this. So it's a very surreal thing. But anyways, I'm sitting there. I've had three children. I'm a pelvic floor therapist. I mean, I'm, I'm, no, I wasn't. What was I doing then? I was orthopedic. And um, they're telling me stuff I didn't know. I like just what? didn't know. Like what, what blew your mind? Um, like. Totally, like how many muscles in the pelvic floor, I mean the, the, the pelvic floor that are in the pelvis that are responsible for many, many things that are very important to you that you don't realize until You can say the things. Working. These kids have all been vetted. You can say the things. I, well, oh, I don't know. Um, so We've already said rectum. How, I mean... We've can, gone there. Can we see sex? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so... I was taught in know. PT school, <laughs> if you bring something up, yeah. if it's weird, it's because you made it weird. Oh, I don't think this is weird. I, I, right. I've said so, words I have no idea. I didn't good, think I'd say ever say them. They're all life. adults here, except oh, that kid. He's so, 11 years old. You know... <laughs> So, you know, like you sneeze and you cough and you pee or you do, you release gas when you don't want to. You have like constipation, you pain, uh, sex hurts, you can't get an erection. All these are you ADLs. Tampon, huh? All these exactly, are ADLs. Exactly. So, the, I mean, I remember actually being in class when we were doing anatomy and they said to us, we can skip the pelvis. You don't need to know this. Yeah. And I thought, Who said that? Wait, wait, God, who said that? Don't, well, not, not their name. Not their name. Not names. No, was it a male or female? Of, it, oh gosh, what, uh, male. Yeah, because we make things yeah. awkward. We, yeah, we yeah. do. Yeah. We don't like to. Do, I don't know. I understand. Yeah. What, I don't really. I don't have a map, so I don't know where things are. But I think the other thing that happened is there are a lot. She of, just got it. It's like a four second. There you go, and there it is. I because I, I feel like I've heard everything. Honestly, <laughs> the jokes of pelvic floor PT, but. So ortho, it was very cross with orthopedics, though. So these were the people that I would like, why can't I only get them 80% better? What am I doing wrong? Yeah. So the other 20% is your pelvic floor and the hip muscles and yeah. all that. So, yeah. So once you went down that road, uh, we I opened a business. Didn't really know what I was getting myself into whatsoever. Good. That Open was the no business, class in that then, then figure it out. That. I yep. love that. Just we're going to go with it. And I remember like doctors call and be like, well, do you treat this? And we'd be like, yeah, absolutely, we treat that. And we'd be like, Google it. What the hell are they talking about? So then What did we, people do before Google? I don't Barb? know. Barb? We're gonna, no, I, I don't have no know. idea. Right? No idea. <laughs> do you even Google things? Yeah. You just chat GPT them. Like, do my homework. I don't want to do this math. Yeah. So anyway, so that's how I we ended up there, and um, now we have four PTs, and you know we see about uh, 180 patients a week, and yeah. 
So a lot of problems in pelvic floor therapy. All right. Well, you skipped. You answered my second question, I which did? We, well, yeah, you skipped, which is good because I wanted to go <laughs> linearly, not vertically. Right. I don't even know what that means, and I don't know what was the therapeutic I alliance. I think I'm, it's, I'm hearing words that I've never heard of in my life. Alliance is like making friends with people with words, and vertically is up I and no down. Idea I don't what know. I want to go linearly, which is side to side. Okay. So you you open the door for owning uh opening a business, right? Yeah. That's got unique challenges. Like they, do you guys have like a uh we had PT as a manager which is like a business course. I think you have to, you have something, right? But like, click on administration. Like, but business is a whole like other degree. Like mm-hmm. it's a whole other building. So it's communications, by the way, Roy something who has his own, yeah, owns communication school. I'm like, yeah, I want to hang out with those guys. That's the mm-hmm. AV, that's the AV club over there in the communication school. Those are my dorks. Um, but you went from doing this thing and figuring it out to then jumping and merging PT and business, which is like two different things. Um, yeah. When it, what were the unique challenges? Like what popped up that you were like, oh, I totally saw this coming and also did not see this coming? You never see anything coming. Okay, good. Awesome. No, everything's, everything's chaos. Yeah, awesome. it's, you just don't know. I mean, someone just told me that just get people around you that know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So that was the key. Right. So I knew physical therapy. I could do that. I knew nothing else. So who were the other people? Who were who were the people? So thank in the God I had good neighbors. Good. <laughs> I had one that owns a small business. I had one that was an accountant. I had one that did some marketing. There so you go. Good. Someone was go speaking to your for neighborhood. You. There you go. There's very smart people in your neighborhood. Yeah. I often <laughs> tell the analogy, or I use this story, which is like, hey, imagine you're in your backyard, and this is probably a real, and you're like flipping burgers, and you're like, oh, I'm thinking about opening a business, drinking some beers. You're maybe drinking some beers, hypothetically, not hypothetically, Happen- totally. Hypothetical. And you're like, I'm gonna open a business, and like, hey, I help people with pelvic issues and this and this and you have a friend who's a marketer who's a neighbor and you're and the marketer is like i could help you and you're like i'll just figure it out because i can google it and the marketer's like oh i'm offended because like i could help that person and we're like well we're pts we'll just figure it out reverse it and now the marketer is telling you like oh i have this pelvic floor pain pain like oh i could help you it's like nah, i'm not gonna use you i could just google it you can't have it both ways as a profession like not you but i'm saying like us as a profession you can't have it both ways where like you can't say, well, I'm the expert in this, but then just say, well, I'll just figure, because that's what people are doing. So that's why I like to say yeah. lead, lead with benefits and not features. Ooh. But, you, but you, you skipped that because you recognize I want to focus more of my time and effort. If I have a clogged toilet, I'm not going to just figure it. I'm just, just going to hire someone for that. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, you, and we're saying, because we're doing it together, uh, figure out who those people are, what those problems are, and find a person for every problem. Mm-hmm. Instead of I can be a, I can be a one person machine and fix everything. Oh, it's pelvic. Is she talking about pelvic. Okay, Am I, I don't know what I'm talking about. To okay, be honest, so I went off script I, about eleven minutes ago. I, don't know. I will say because I've done a lot of pelvic PT, but I know like where my limits are. And Dan, Dan gets some of my patients. Some I apologize Ooh. for. I, feels sorry. like a feels like a refer out. Like understand where you where the edge is and what you're good at and what you're not good. Yeah, at. Yeah, and I just like I don't remember how to rehab a hip. I don't I don't remember that. Hips so, above the pelvis and to the right. Yeah. I think. <laughs> no, it's below the pelvis. Never mind. I don't know. <laughs> I host a podcast. No, so so I do refer out, um, and in my world too is a lot of a uh, lot of trauma, uh, a lot of counselors. We have like lists of people that will take um, you know small waiting list kind of uh, trauma counseling. Yeah. Uh, we I mean, we I refer everywhere. I mean, it's not just PTs. I mean, yeah, good. Fantastic. Yeah, so it's everywhere. Because it sounds like but when you, you do that, your underst- your goal is not make sure that person comes back to PT. It's make no. sure that person has a great outcome. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Which yeah. is know your a limitations. Yeah. Know your limitations and understand that you are the Yoda for this person. And if you aren't the 
perfect person or the great person for this, fine, make sure that you can introduce that person to the greatest person for this because you'd like if that happened to you as well. If th- wherever that person was, they'd be brought to you and they'd be sherpaed to you and then you could be that person, Yoda. Exactly. I mean, you, as a small business, you respect everybody around you and you refer out, they refer back. That's totally how it works. It is how in it works. small business. Yeah. Uh, last thing I want to jump into with you is you mm-hmm. emphasize not overloading patients with exercises. You really want people to focus on lifestyle and postural changes. You want to, you, you want to focus on change and uh, the long. W- w- what I think is you're focusing on longer term long things game. because that's kind of really where the, the, the change happens. Mm-hmm. So talk about the successes you've seen with focusing that way so um i've been around a long long time i've been in ithaca for 30 years so like some of the doctors that we have we uh take referrals from like i came to town when they came to town yeah so but the the point is actually people will come in and this is okay part of this is this is an education community so a lot of um uh, google sheets of exercises that they've gotten over the last 15 years they'll come they'll show me these are the exercises i do great it'll take them an hour 45 minutes, whatever to do them. Some will do them, most people won't. Because life is busy. And so what I like to do with them is like, okay, so let's take those exercises and let's really whittle this down to like three. Because my experience is 31 years of doing this, people will do three exercises. Why? I have an idea. Do you want to, you go on first or me? No, totally you. Amigos, uh, blind mice, uh, everything comes, uh, stooges, everything's threes. No, nope, not that at all. All right, keep going. So what we do, <laughs> so, um, so you just pick out the three that they're, they, they understand. Like, you have to let them know why they're doing it. If they don't understand why they're doing their exercise, they will not do yeah, it. Yeah, why would, do you do that? I don't do that. I, I just, what? what I'm saying is I've just bought a house mm-hmm. and my buddy was like, oh, you needed to put the thing in and once a month, I'm like, okay, cool. Why? And the last time he gives me a good reason, I'm not going to do it. But he, right. he was like, oh, because your house is going to uh, do the thing and it's going to cost you lots of money. I'm like, got it. Now that's a, that's a benefit, saving money. Got it. I'll do the thing. Yeah. And so the education part of like, well, this is the muscle you're doing it with. This is why. This is what can happen. And they go, oh, okay. I got it. I got it. And so, and people are busy. People yeah. are so busy. And we treat a lot of women. So women have one to two jobs and they have children and they have a, you know, a partner Maybe, maybe not. And a pelvis, um, and a and rectum, a pelvis, all these things. And a rectum. <laughs> we all have a rectum. That's true. Um, but um, so you have to nail, you have to like whittle it down to what they're going to do because what they'll do is they'll go, get overwhelmed. And I hear it all the time. I, I can't do all these. I just yeah. don't do any of them. So I like the phrase, and here's the phrase that'll break down what you just said. And this is from my buddy Jamie Schreier, who's a PT. Confused people don't. Confused people don't buy your product. Confused people don't do your exercises. Confused people don't come to your bar. Unless you are clear, if I have to, if I have to burn so many mental calories to figure out the thing you're saying, I'm probably not, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm don't. So I have to tell people like, make sure you understand that it's so clear what, what it is their benefit of what you're offering them is or else they won't because confused people don't. They don't. They don't. Mm-mm. No. And then even picking, like, so you're, some of your very busy people, I have an exercise they can do in the car, I have an exercise they can do at work, and I have an exercise they can do at home. And then they'll do them. But I feel like this is also, like, pushing back and making sure this person gets better is, like, I'm sure you know 52 exercises. Great. Oh. I need the three best ones. 
because if you give them four, they're going to do zero. But mm-hmm. if you give them three, you got a chance. Mm-hmm. So I think this is, is, is sharpening the axe and chopping wood, right? With that analogy, it's like, you need to be better at doing this or the answer, it's binary. Success is, in this case, could be binary. It's like either they do it or they don't. Mm-hmm. Give me four, the answer is no. Three, you got a chance. Four answers of, huh? Uh, there wasn't a question. I was actually just oh, talking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. sorry. I was like, is that a question? <laughs> um, so, I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, the other thing is, too, is making sure, like, a lot of times I'll say, like, these are great exercises. Do they help you? Yeah, but I'm, my pain's not any better. Because what happens is, being there 30 years, I'm like the fallback person. All the doctors send people that yeah. didn't have success anywhere else because I'm just old. And they know my name. Seasoned. And so, seasoned. Seasoned's it. Experienced. And so... I'll say, well, what do you do for work? And they'll be like, okay, I sit at a desk. I go, so show me how you sit. Well, they sit horribly. So they're doing all the exercises that the PT gave them, and they were great exercises, but they still, their lifestyle changes didn't make it. Right. Like, they're not doing it. So, so a lot of times I'm like, keep the exercise. Let's just, you know, talk about how to posture, I mean, how to lift your kids or how to right. sit in a car because you commute or whatever. And that usually is like, oh, I feel so much better. I look brilliant. Yeah. I'm just using the PT's exercises that they came with. Sure. I didn't come up with more. Yeah. So. The way to look the smartest in the room is just ask smart questions and then be quiet. Yep. I have actually made it a career on that. <laughs> also, rectum. Every once rectum. in a while, throw out a word. All right. So you ready for your parting shot? I, do I? Um, you don't have to, but I mean, it's sort of been tradition. All right. No, you guys all did it. Yeah. I feel like I have to. Yeah. Okay. You ready for parting shot? Uh, yeah. Here we go. Sure. This is the parting shot. All right. Like, so, like, how would you, like, soapbox statement, mic drop moment, whatever you want it to be. I, I guess, so, my soapbox thing is, I had to Google what imposter syndrome meant, because I keep hearing people oh, talk about this. Yeah. And my daughter said, I think I have imposter syndrome. I'm like, what is that? I had to Google it. But I said, what is it to you? And so, literally, she's taken, like, three weeks of nursing classes and got released on a floor with a bunch of other kids, kids, students, sorry, I'm old, students, and she was like, I just didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. I'm like, you've had two weeks of nursing school. You don't know what you're doing. That's okay. It's okay. So truly, you know, you are absolutely going to go wherever you start out not knowing what you're doing and feeling really bad about that, but this is where we all started. That should motivate you, along with the theme. Go figure it out. Go find your mentor. Go, um, don't Google it. Don't, don't Google it. <laughs> um, so we used to joke about hot packs. We can't, the insurance doesn't pay for hot packs anymore, so we don't do that. But we used to put a hot pack on somebody and then go look up what you had to do. Like, yeah. that's what hot packs really were for. You don't even know what hot packs are. Never mind. Yeah. Um, so anyways, just just know that, like me, I, I've done this for 30 years. I feel like I've seen everything. And it's just when I'm like, I'm a damn good PT. Yeah. I am good at what I do. I will walk into room like... I'm a terrible PT. I don't know what this person's talking about. I don't understand how to fix them. So you have to have those. Yeah, absolutely feel like you don't know what you want, like how to do things. That is normal. That is normal. I don't know why we're putting a fancy name on that. I don't get it. It's kind of like the whatever the hell you... Therapeutic uh, Alliance. Therapeutic Alliance, right. We call call that making friends back in the day. (laughs) It's like we're BFFs now. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) So... Yeah, I learned it. I learned that big lesson when I was a bartender. I started bartending for my uncle Frank, uh, who owned a bar in Westchester. And I said, "But I don't know how to make." Uh, I'm just nervous. I got this. Book, I bought this book, and he's like, "Why did you buy a bartending book?" I'm like, "I don't." There's like four million drinks you could make. And he goes, "Oh, there's one." No, no, no. Uh, hey, I want a, a Singapore sling. And I go, "Yeah, I don't know how to make that." He goes, "Right, right, right." Somebody orders a, so order a Singapore sling for me. Can I have a Singapore sling? Yeah. How do you make that? 
I don't know. Oh, you don't know how to make it? That's fine. I, I'll make you my version of that hear. Singapore sling. Don't worry about it. So, like, you can look it up. Now, I don't like fake it till you make it. No, I don't like, do that. I like figure it out. No. And be honest. Like, I don't, I don't, help me, under, help me understand, help me understand mm-hmm. three great words. Help me understand how you did that. Will open doors. Because instantly, you're showing humility. And everybody sort of likes to be the know. I like to be a know-it-all. When someone comes to me and they're like, I don't understand this. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to show off. Great. Absorb that. Right? Help me mm-hmm. understand. Agreed. Do you want another part? I feel like we talked over your parting shot. Do you want a second parting shot or you're good? No. All I, right. I, I, All no. right. No. It's a All great right. career. It's great. She's, a, she's in. All right. Let's hear it for your 31 years. All right. That's a wrap. I think that's a wrap. Right. Thank you very Thank you. Oh, I'll give you thank a cheers you. as well, even though I, yeah, I Dan's, Dan's got to give me more beer. Um, that's a wrap on today's episode. It's been enlightening and gorgeous. I think I only hit three or four uh, cliches for, uh, but uh, don't unstrap your thinking caps just yet. The conversation does it. And here we're going to Ithaca Alehouse. Is there fl- Flamingo with ice skates on tap there or should be? Uh, thanks to our friends at High Bar Physical Therapy, highbarhealth.com. We're keeping the good vibes rolling and the pints pouring at Ithaca Alehouse. Let's hear it for the audience as well. Thanks for welcoming me here at Ithaca. Love the PT Pinecast? Yes. Yes. Support the show by telling a friend or by leaving a review on iTunes or Google Play.